They go to the gym because they feel that they're listened to without judgment. This is what the research is saying. Do you know what's even crazier is that according to this research, six in 10 believers believe that sharing their faith is a religious extreme. It's not an extreme, it's a basic. I think about today and the complexities that people have to walk through. They're scared to share their faith because they think it may affect their employment. It may affect their friendship. It may make things awkward. And I don't wanna lose my job. I don't wanna walk into a room and feel like people are cringing because I enter. But that's not what the Gospel will do. We're called to be a part of the Great Commission. And when you think about the Great Commission, it has made it through every generation from Jesus to us today. We are a link in the chain of the Great Commission and we should share the Gospel. Research says at the moment that seven in 10 people aren't even on a spiritual quest. So back when the 50s and 60s, when Billy Graham, a man of God, would say, there's a hole in your heart that only Jesus can fill. These days, if you're to say there's a hole in your heart, the person will say, no, no, there's not. I feel good, thanks. So how do we share the Gospel? When 56% of Christians have had two or less spiritual conversations in the last year with someone that doesn't share their faith. How do we do it? How do we continue to share the love of Jesus Christ in a world that's becoming more complex? Today I wanna talk to our community in the East and here today, simply about rediscovering what the Gospel is and why everyone can share it and why it's actually easy to do. Because the Gospel fundamentally is God's love for mankind. He sent His Son. It was accomplished restoration to God through Christ's work on the cross so that those that believe now stand in the grace of God forgiven and carry an eternal hope for their future. The Gospel is love, our faith, God's grace and hope. And we can all share that with our world. We can all share that with our community. We can all do that without a sense of judgment and that is the Gospel. It's God's love for the world, our faith in Jesus Christ, receiving grace through His work on the cross and now we walk in the ultimate hope of God. His love, our faith, His grace, it gives hope. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You would speak to Your people this morning, we pray. Lord, as we leave this place today with a fresh desire to get the Word out, the Word on the street being that the church is is not religious, the church is not inconsistent, the Gospel is what's important. 
that you love the world, that you gave your Son, that through faith we receive grace and can have hope for our future. In Jesus' mighty Name. And everybody who agreed said, Amen. 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 Would you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5? I uh, read out of the New International Version. If you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay, because it's going to pop up on the screen. I want to share with you uh, out of Romans 5, and I'm going to read it. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Thank you, Father. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Love. Love. Has anybody ever been motivated to do something or anything? Yep. You know, motivation helps you to stay at the task. Yeah. Motivation is de defined as this, a reason or reasons for acting or behaving in a particular way. And levels of motivation help. See, let me give you an example from my day-to-day -day life. And I'm going to use April. April is forever trying to be consistent with what she eats. She tries to look after herself. And on Tuesday night, or was it Wednesday, Tuesday night this week, I called her and April had been good all day and she's always pretty consistent. And I said to her, hey, I'm on the way home. Do you want an ice cream from McDonald's? And April said, oh, that is the wrong thing to do. No, no, no. Bring home a large chocolate sundae with Oreos. <laughs> and then she re-texted me after the phone call to say, you know the one I want. Because she's got to have chocolate on the bottom and chocolate on the top and Oreos. And she used to order the McFlurry, but they kept getting it wrong. So with a large sundae, you get the consistency of topping on the bottom and the top and that sprinkle of Oreos. You see, the motivation at that moment went out the window. <laughs> but levels of motivation count because to see the difference being is that when April was preparing for Lockie and Laura's wedding a few years back, there was nothing you could offer her to eat that she would take because she was motivated to be ready for that wedding. You know the thing, bridesmaids, you know. I don't know what that was. I wish I never did it. <laughs> but what? What was happening is the level of motivation meant that the level of distraction would be removed because there was a goal, there was a priority, there was something there. Let me tell you this. The greatest 
motivating factor is love. Is love. It says this in the Scripture that we read in Romans 5.8. It says this, But God shows His love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It says in John 3.16, we all know this, probably the most famous Scripture in the world. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that whomsoever believeth in Him, believeth the old King James. (laughs) So not perish, but have eternal life. God's motivating factor was love. God's love. Everybody in our community today understands the relevance of love and carries a desire to be loved. You see, when we look at this Scripture, we see that the motivating factor was not only to love us, but it was actually for the unrighteous, not the righteous. It says that while we were still sinners, those that were in sin, Christ died for the ungodly so that they would have an opportunity to stand before God righteously. He died for everyone. It wasn't motivated by anything else. You see, the word on the street might say, that the church just wants to manipulate, but that's not God. He came because He loved to set people free. Amen. It wasn't motivated by greed. The cross is the greatest example of love without requiring anything in yeah, right. return. The motivating factor was love. How do you share the gospel? Love people. Love people. So I wanted to give you something practical to work with this morning. So if you're writing notes, here is a, here is a practical way to let love be your motivation. It says this in 1 John 3.16, being the premise, it says this, by we know love that He, being Jesus, laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Do you know a genuine way to love a person is to listen to their story without judgment. It says this in James 1.19, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. And slow to speak. Listening gives people a voice. Listening lets people feel like they're worth something. And let the Holy Spirit lead you as you attempt to be thoughtful and considerate about what they're sharing. You see, love It puts you in the picture. Because of God's love for us, what did it do with His Son? It it, it put Christ in the picture for us, loving people, loving your neighbour as yourself. It puts you in the picture that allows them to see the love of God, the love of Christ that's at work in you coming out. 
Get the word out. It's not about religion. And it's not about forcing an outcome. It's okay to have non-Christian friends. You know, I've, I've, I've grown up in a society, in a world that, that it's almost this, this righteous movement that we understand that the primary input needs to be of godly community, a relationship with God, a relationship with one another. But from the strength we go. The reason why 56% of Christians are not having spiritual conversations is because they don't have non-Christian friends. Do you know the likelihood of you sharing the gospel will increase with people that need to hear it? Whoa! I added that one for free. It says only 26% of people have had spiritual conversations. 26% of people have had spiritual conversations with Christians where they feel the Christian hasn't tried to force the outcome. Billy Graham, a man of God, I love this quote. He said this, It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It is God's job to judge. And it's my job to love. Love people. And pray that the Holy Spirit is drawing them. Be ready to share your testimony. Be ready to share why you carry hope. But it starts with love. His love. It says in Romans 5, 8, because of God's love, His love, He died for the ungodly. How do you get the gospel out there? Love people. Love people. Love people. I want to read, continuing from verse 5. I want to read a portion of it again. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. So the flow there, we've been justified through Christ's work on the cross and having faith in Him. And because we've had faith in Christ, we've been made righteous. Therefore, now we can have peace with God. And we stand in grace. You know, earlier this year, we went to Vanuatu and um, Dave, I might get you to come out the front real quick. Run, 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 go. Come on, come on, let's go. Use them lanky legs. That was impressive. I just want you to stand there. You were with me when this kept happening. We were in Vanuatu and there is an incredible young man at our East Campus by the name of Nathan Mann. The man. man. You should see this guy pray. If we could all pray like him. But what would happen is we were away in Vanuatu and we'd be having conversations and I wouldn't think that Nathan was with me. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, man, I wish Nathan was there. And I'd turn around and be like, boom, he's like, here I am. And he'll be right there. And I'm like, Nate, were you here the whole time? And the thing is, he kept popping up and disappearing and I couldn't understand. But the fact is that I wasn't actually aware that he was with me the whole time. 
Started thinking about this flow of Scripture. Stay there, bud. It says this. Was that a power move? I'm sorry, David. (laughs) Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into the grace we now stand. You see, as a believer of Christ and putting your faith in Him, you now stand in the grace of God. And I now stand in the grace of God. But here's the thing. Let's say that David represents people that have been standing in the grace of God for a long time. He's worked through his issues. He's matured in his faith. He's developed the fruits of the Spirit. Now me, I've just been saved last week. I've still got issues. I've responded to Jesus, but I'm still sleeping with my girlfriend. But yet I've responded to Jesus. I'm in process as this group of people are in process. But yet when I come into relationship with Jesus Christ, I still stand in grace. But we never leave that place because you've been a Christian for 20 years, but you still stand in the grace of God. It's the place we begin and it's the place we never leave. But yet, thank you, Dave, you can sit down. But yet for some reason, we feel the need to call out sin. And we feel the need that if we don't do it, we're sinning. We go, hey, young man who's living with a de facto relationship, you've responded to Jesus now. You need to organise every area of your life right now. What if they have kids at home? What if there's a whole structure that they need to begin to get in process to work, walk towards Jesus? Now, now hear my heart in this. I'm not saying that we do not address sin because we will. I'm not saying that we don't lead by an example of what it is to live a godly life. I'm not saying that we do not address this person. But what I'm saying is that we are proud about our faith, but we're not pushy with it. You see, to stand in God's grace means God's my friend. It means I don't have to prove myself. It means I don't have to earn it. But the world says that there are Christians who are judgmental. That's what the world says. But the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ is we stand in God's grace through faith and then we move in a process towards maturity as we're led by the Holy Spirit. You see, how do you show God's grace? It says this in, here's an example. I want everyone, if you're writing notes, write this down. How can you show God's grace? Let's call it the log and the speck. It says this in Matthew chapter seven. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eyes and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How do you show grace? You love people. You encourage them to mature and deepen in their relationship with God. Because in John 16, 8, it says this, referring to the Holy Spirit. And when He comes, He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict the sin of the world and in the life of the believer. So what we want to do as a community is there are going to be people here with a world of issues. And guess what? There already are. Yeah. 
I have them, you have them, but I stand in God's grace and I pursue. And as I develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is convicting the sin in my life. And as I am convicted, I repent, I confess and I move forward in process. You see, the world wants to say that, that, that every time I have a conversation with a Christian, I feel like they don't listen without judgment. But the Gospel message is the grace of God. Let's not lose the fact we need to love people. And that as we love people, we are showing them the primary foundation that God loved them first. And that through God's love, it was displayed through dying on a cross. And now those that believe in Him stand in God's grace, a place that we all still stand together. Please, let's not be a church that's judgmental. Let's walk with people. Let's love people. Let's address things. Let's disciple people, but let them feel like this is a place where they can progress in their relationship with God as the Holy Spirit brings conviction in their lives. So the Gospel being, it's God's love. It's our faith in Jesus Christ that He died and rose again. We've been made righteous through that faith in Jesus Christ that we now stand in God's grace, His unmerited favour, which now gives us the ultimate hope for our future. If I could have the band come up. You see, hope is what the world needs. Who can agree with that? If you have a look at society today, the prevalence and the increase of anxiety and depression the increase of social isolation, even with increased connectedness. What's happening is there is money being poured into this arena because it gets to a stage in our world where people get to a place where without Christ, they do lose hope. Hope is dying. But see, as a believer who has the Holy Spirit, Whenever I face trials and hard times, I still carry hope. You know, I reflected on a moment in my life where, where I couldn't understand what was going on. In 2011, January, I took April on the most incredible holiday. I took her in 40 degree weather, camping in a tent to Bendigo. But wait, it gets better. There were biblical plague proportions of locusts. You would walk through a field and they'd move like a wave. And she was seven months pregnant with Jai. Nailed it. It's about 50 degrees in the tent. Locusts everywhere. Kiara running through fields as they would go everywhere. And I thought, you know what? I've got to get her out of this situation. I've got to get her out of it. It is too hot. She is too pregnant. I am so dumb. <laughs> so we went to a quest. And he is. Sorry. <laughs> and um, it had just been Christmas. It was the start of the month. We'd had bills come out of our account that I wasn't aware of. And all of a sudden I'd paid for two nights of accommodation and looked at our account. And we had no money left. And as a father, 
as a young man, I battled. What have I done? How has this happened? How have I been that unorganised? Had to swallow my pride. April's parents came up and I remember thinking, this is, this is the guy that gave her to me to look after. And now I've got to borrow money to get home. Now, it doesn't sound like a crisis, like a life and death thing, but in that moment, it was a trial and it was suffering for me because it was embarrassing. It was humbling. And the thing is, we'd been stewarding. We'd never missed a tithe. We were aware of bills. We, we were doing our absolute best. We were on one income. I had just become a nurse. We were broke. Didn't know how to get home. But something in me, I felt the Holy Spirit come into my life. He was already there, but I heard His voice louder. And I found Him say, no, 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 no. You're doing things well. You keep going. You keep believing. You don't change your course. You're doing nothing wrong. You didn't see this this come. It's not from drinking. It's not from gambling. It's not from spending when you shouldn't be spending. It's just happened. You keep persevering. You keep going. And in that moment, I had this hope. You know, what was incredible is that we had never figured this out until this week. But later that year, I become the clinical nurse specialist at St John of God Hospital uh, within a frame of time from my graduation that was so short it wasn't supposed to happen and our wage went up $35,000 overnight. And what had happened is through that process of suffering and continuing to believe and continuing to strive and continuing to honour God, all of a sudden, the hope that He had talked about back at the beginning, all of a sudden was coming through. You see, it says this, it says this, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. You see, there's a process at play there. It says this, you see, we meet trials in our life that the world does not quite know how to meet the trials with. So when they see the trials, they see pain. They see no other way. But when we meet the trials as a believer, we know it means that we're in process towards reinforcing our hope. Because it says meeting trials and hard times with faith when we continue to build the resilience in our faith and trust in God, what we're doing is we're forming habits and character that continue to draw us closer to God. And as we draw closer to God, the result is strengthened resolve and hope that even if it gets really bad, Jesus is with us. Because we know that hope will never leave us embarrassed. Will never leave us dry because the hope that we have in Jesus will never ever fail. See the word on the street is that the church has nothing to offer so we can go to the gym and receive the same things. Uh, uh, uh. We have the hope that is Jesus. We have the hope of the world living in us. I want to finish with this quote from the Barna Research and then I want to challenge you. The church's mission is to spread the gospel of saving sacrificial love and ultimate hope that Jesus commissioned His followers to proclaim. It's not about numeric growth. That's a byproduct. It's about the good news of Jesus Christ. Losing cultural ground we can cope with, but losing the gospel 
that's a different story. The Gospel that you can share very easily is that God loves people to the point that He gave up what was so important to Him and that if you can have faith in that man, Jesus, who lived and died and rose again, you receive grace, which everybody wants, and hope, which everybody needs. The Gospel's simple. God's love, our faith, His grace, it gives hope. And you can share that through listening, through not judging, through allowing the Holy Spirit to lead your life. So my challenge to you is this, have your testimony ready. Because what will happen is, is there will, there will be a process in, in, in a non-believer. See, you go and you actually make a non-Christian friend. Well done. Now don't be weird. So be like, hey, hey, how was your day? You need Jesus, you're sinning. That's called forcing the outcome. Don't force, love. Move on, getting distracted because now I'm not using my notes. Make a non-Christian friend and love them. Be proud about your faith, but don't be pushy with your faith. Love them as Christ loved them. Do things for them, help them, pray for them, that the Holy Spirit would begin to convict the world of their sin. Then let them begin to ask questions. So then have your testimony ready. Go, hey, this is the reason I have hope. Because the Word out, get the Word out that it's not about judgment. It's not about inconsistency. It's not about religion. It's not about ruling lives. It's about love, faith, grace and hope. And we can all share it. Because Jesus called us too. And we've got to believe this. Your job is to love. It is God's judge to convict and draw them. So could we stand in both our locations? A God that loved the world, gave His only Son through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. We receive God's grace, His undeserving favour and a hope for a future and an eternity with Him. Believers, we need to start sharing the love, grace and hope that is found in Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and draw them. Hey, if you've got an unbelieving person in your life, would you raise your hand? We're going to pray for those people right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now Lord God, for families that need to know the love, the hope, the grace, the mercy, the hope that is found in Jesus. Lord, I pray that there would be a birthing of evangelism in our community, that we don't force an agenda, but that we love and are led by the Holy Spirit, that we would listen without judgment, but also, Father, as people come into this community, we see them discipled, we see them grown, we, we see them begin to let go of things. But Father, right now we pray 
that Lord, we take Your Gospel to the world. I thank You, Father, that they don't need to be invited to church to be led to the cross. They don't need to say, uh, Lord God, the sinner's prayer most eloquently in order to receive Christ. Father, they need faith and repentance. And Lord, You meet them where they are. But today, Father, I pray that we begin to look with eyes in the Spirit to see who to love, to see who to show God's grace, to see who to, to, to pour into hope. Father, right now just declare, I believe there are gonna be situations this week where there are gonna be people that have lost hope and your faith in their situation is gonna lift them out. And, and I believe it will be a testimony in their life that will draw them to Jesus. We carry the hope of the world. His Name is Jesus. His name is Jesus.